Hello and welcome to week two of the Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. Any cacao? I was gonna say any cacao this week. <laughs> Whatever a bird whimper is. <laughs> what do you, What did you think? I I have nothing but positive feelings, even though the Eagles lost. No, I, I I'm with you in the, on the optimism camp. I think it's just yeah, frustrating because uh, it was essentially tied in the fourth quarter. And then it all quickly crumbled, like many an Eagles road game. But uh, yeah, I, eh, I I think what you're probably getting at is, you know, Carson's stat line was just okay. I think we started to see the makings of our pass attack when it's uh, kind of completely unfolded. So I think that's why, even though we kind of got blown up in the fourth quarter, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm pleased with what I saw out of Carson in this game. That's that's kind of why I'm optimistic. I feel I feel like you don't have much optimism. I'm feeling i feeling the <laughs> Philadelphia pessimism <laughs> bleeding its way into you. Quiet. Uh, no, I was texting with uh, our friend Vinny at the end of the game. He texted me, "Cool game. Travis Kelsey is a bitch. I hope he gets CTE," <laughs> which I thought was perfect. It was poetic justice that the decisive touchdown was a sho- a shuttle pass. Is it shuttle pass or shovel pass? Shovel, shovel pass. Shovel to Travis Kelsey, who does some sort of flying squirrel leap maneuver into the end zone. And then, I mean, Kelsey killed us all day. But the great thing about that play, and I'm not, you know, Kelsey can sometimes be a bit obnoxious, but his fly goes fly touchdown celebration was <laughs> pretty spot on. I as as. As an Eagles fan, I had to give him props for that. Uh, <laughs> I was I was very impressed. I was going to put that in one of my winners, but I think but he's just such a douchebag. <laughs> he's like still a frat bro. So is Gronk. The best tight ends are usually big frat boys. Comes with the territory. You're right. If we if if the Eagles are scouting next year and they get into the interview room and are disgusted with the tight end prospect they talk to, they should definitely draft him. I mean, there's a, a positive a- cor- correlation. Ertz is a great tight end, but I think if he's a little more frat boy, maybe he'd be an upper echelon tight end in the league of Kelsey and, and Gronk. Yeah, he went to Stanford, so he's a little more cerebral. Yeah, so we, see. we need you to be a full-on – where did Gronk go? Arizona State? Full yeah. Full douchebag. I'm pretty sure. We have to double-check that, but I'm pretty sure it's Arizona State. Full douchebag. Yeah. Uh, well, I I have nothing but positives. I, I thought Wentz looked great. I thought the defense looked great. You know, I think it was one of those games where in the fourth quarter, if you say, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, it's tied and you have a chance to win the game. I'm going to take that on the road in Casey, the way Casey is playing with all their weapons. You know, it just came down to the pivotal play, the, the big turnover, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I think, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's a loss and you never want to lose in the NFL. But, you know, I, I you know, especially being the pessimist Eagles fan, I took nothing but, but positives out of it. Yeah, well... It- I mean, the game essentially, if you had to summarize it in short, it was basically a, a, a tactical stalemate until the fourth quarter. The first quarter, you know, Reed and Peterson exchanged their their scripts, and both drives get bogged down in the red zone. It's kind of like a bit of defensive gridlock until the third quarter. It opens up a little bit, but yeah, it all it all came down to that again, just like last week a screenplay to Sproles, or at least that's where Wentz is going with the ball, and it it doesn't get executed or it's not the right play call. The ball gets tipped into the air. And I kind of put, I don't know where you come down on this, I kind of put 
I think this was kind of like a 50-50 Peterson Wentz on the kind of pivotal interception. Calling the screen pass, you know, which was kind of, I think, predicted by the defense. And they weren't especially fooled, but Wentz has got to improve his ball placement on something like that. Because it's not like Houston put his hand up and made an athletic play. He threw it into Houston's helmet. So that was a little frustrating to see. It wasn't as awful as the one last week. By the way, Gronk went to University of Arizona, not Arizona State. I was close. You were close, but it, it, <laughs> Arizona State fans were probably livid that you were calling them out when it was the University yeah, of Arizona. Yeah, sorry. Apologies <laughs> to all my Arizona State friends, <laughs> of which there are zero. Uh, I actually have a buddy who went to Arizona State, so he'll be, he'll be happy that we apologized. <laughs> but uh, going back to your point about being optimistic, I think it, you know, it was a little bit weighted away from the fourth quarter when things started getting away from us. And there were some garbage statistics in here in the fourth quarter. But we did show positive stats. These are, I think these are kind of like the keystone stats. Third down efficiency, we were 8 for 15. So, yeah, that's just north of 50%. Last week, we were at uh, 57%. So we were at 53% this year. Last year, uh, interestingly, Philadelphia... 18th overall in the league on third down at 38%. Kansas City was 20th at 37% today. They're only at 42% until the fourth quarter. They were only, and, and, and sorry, in week one, they were at 36%. So um, kind of Reed-esque in that the decisive plays didn't come on, on third down. And when we actually got them into third down situations, our pass rush was easily able to, able to overwhelm them. But you go back to the, Again, the interception at the beginning of the fourth quarter is where the, the game kind of unwound on us. And I, I don't know what you think. It, it almost seemed like the defense might have been a little fatigued in the fourth quarter as we got rolled up and kind of exploited by Reed's, um, you know, misdirection plays. So I don't fault the defense at all. I felt like they, they put in another <clears throat> historically good performance. And we're, you know, historically good performance. Wow. Historically your, good. Your love of Jim Schwartz continues. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I ultimately think like situationally, they they performed really well, but they were again put into a bad situation by the offensive turnover. I think the one thing on the defense that kind of hurt us were two things was mistackling, um, which usually isn't an, an issue with Schwartz defenses. I think that's just, uh, you know, with the lack of practice early in the season, you're going to see that. So I'm not too worried about that. And then the other thing was the screen game, which, you know, we know as read haters, but also at least read respecters. I don't even know if respecter is a word, but um, I think the screen game kind of hurt us all day. They, they, were, they were, especially in the beginning of the second half, just getting chunks on those wide receiver plays. But I mean, they have two great players, especially, you know, Hill is just so dynamic. So it makes sense. So, but overall, I think they did a great job. And I think, you know, especially with the injuries in the secondary, the secondary, Held up. I mean, the the front seven was fantastic, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But the front seven is just—I mean—they've been lights out these first two games. And if if the defense can play this well, and if Wentz can continue to develop, you know, I think you know, ten wins that we keep talking about as that number. You know, I think I, there's no reason this team can't get to the ten wins. Well, and I think would you would to your point again about taking taking the highlights away from this if you're an Eagles fan in the third quarter. You saw the makings of like a pretty compelling offensive dynamic 
if we kind of if Peterson doesn't get bogged down in the read philosophy of using screens to manufacture kind of like run yards by another another name, but we on that kind of uh, really impressive drive where we got um, kind of the outside outside shoulder throw to Jeffrey on the touchdown that kind of was like the caps under the drive. Every play on that drive. I think the first play of the drive was an 18-yard kind of play extension from Wentz, but it was kind of a, an outside breaking route to Jeffrey for 18. Then he comes back to Matt Collins on the outside, who was like a pleasant surprise today as kind of like an outside speed size threat. Then he hits Ertz over the middle, and then we actually go back to two run plays. One was to Sproles, I think, on an inside run. Or no, uh, Sproles on an edge run, and then Smallwood on an inside run, and then the really well executed outside shoulder throw, back shoulder throw to Jeffrey for the touchdown. So in in times we were able to kind of come up with this really uh, more uniquely suited to our personnel, you know, balanced attack. And for us, you know, it, for, in Kansas City, it kind of makes sense to lean more on a screen game because they have really dynamic, kind of smaller inside speed guys. But we have like outside possession guys in in Jeffrey and kind of uh, inside at the tight end position with Ertz. So if Peterson can kind of like philosophically make a pivot to um, outside, you know, kind of fifteen to twenty yard window throws and more of an inside running game, it starts to make us a more compelling offense. It just felt like in the fourth quarter we kind of had to just go back to the read menu of plays go to a screen pass, and that was at our RN doing, if you kind of compare the third to the fourth quarter offensively. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they learned from last week. We didn't see any of the wide receiver screens. Most of the screens to, are to Sproles, and that doesn't bother me nearly as much. You know, I mean, Sproles is a dynamic player still, and I think, you know, those plays, you know, sometimes, you know, they might go to the well too much, but Reed was the same way. So, you know, he's going to be that kind of play caller, but I think he made some great halftime adjustments, which I texted you during the game. You know, I think you have to give him credit there, that drive. You know, I thought the play calling was fantastic. Marched right down the field, you know, and, and showed a lot on on that drive. And I think, you know, they seem to be in the control of the game, but, you know, Kansas City just, like you said, wore them down. What What did you think, just quickly on the, on this point, of the? what did you think of not seeing LeGarrette Blunt at all today? Do you uh, think that was by design and, and Peterson is, was trying to surprise Reed tactically? Um, or was it something that was dictated by the game as it developed? I think, I think we'll see, but I think he just doesn't have much confidence in Blunt right now, especially you know with Smallwood seeming to get those carries that Sproles doesn't get. And Sproles was, you know, he, he wanted to win this game probably against so he's going to put the best players out there to win so Sproles had a, a lot more touches than I think they normally would want to give him because he really wanted to have his best weapons out there and that's still Sproles and you, you see even saw Clements in there for a player too so I think he doesn't have much confidence in Blunt right now so he might just be riding the pine it'll be interesting to see or maybe it was just a matchup he felt like we'll see next week against the Giants but that that's my sense is that he just doesn't have much confidence in him right now We'll see though, but I, I, I mean, he hasn't shown us much. He had a decent first half against the Redskins, but you know, he's he hasn't gotten much more than one or two yards a pop, it seems like. And then on that pass play to him, he couldn't break a tackle. Where Sproles at least 
on those kind of plays has a chance to break a tackle and make something out of nothing, which he did several times today. So those are our initial thoughts, but let's get into Wentz. What did you think? Yeah, I, I think – so we'll kind of quote his stat line now. And it's kind of ugly as we got into the fourth quarter. But I think – so he was 25 of 46 for two TDs, one INT, 333 yards. So he regressed to the mean a little bit in terms of completion percentage. But again, like a superficial read of his stats like doesn't tell the story. I think within that – you really, I think, started to see how dangerous Wentz can be when he kind of can, in a really measure way, measured way again, just like week one, extend plays by avoiding the pass rush, buy time for longer uh, down-the-field routes to develop or even improvisational routes, which obviously creates more imbalance in the defenses you're playing against. Um, you know, and, so, and also, I think, crucially, like again, his yards per attempt – uh, up closer to seven today um, after last year being, I think, 6.5. Yeah, it's 7.2 again this week. So I, I think it's just an, another extension of the positive signs we've seen. He's increasing his productivity on the attempts he makes. He, we're not as kind of like isolated to those, you know, seven-yard routes and in. You, you're starting to see the chemistry develop between him and Jeffrey. Um, so I think offensively, again, it was an imperfect performance and there was that, you know, really kind of bad decisive turnover. But beyond that, I think you start to see against a a Kansas city team. And again, adding context to this whole game, um, we weren't, uh, I think the line before the game was minus four and a half. They put up the stat at the end of the game that the last time the Eagles have started two and oh, with two road wins was 1949. Uh, when Stephen McGillicuddy was the quarterback um, <laughs> or whoever. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. You were texting me during the game with a lot of, like, uh, heart emojis. <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm with you there. You know, calm down a little bit, Matt. But um, I think all of the kind of, like, um, uh, outside route combinations that we now kind of have access to with Jeffrey and Smith um, – and the way that, that Wentz is kind of commanding um, the development of those routes downfield by buying time and extending plays makes you, again, really excited about this season and, and future seasons as he develops and cuts down on, on the bonehead mistakes. I have three words for you. How dare you? <laughs> I do heart emoji Carson Wentz. And this, this, I'm more excited about his performance this week than last week. I think. I agree. I agree. Even though his stat line was not as impressive, uh, you know, much tougher defense. Within there. Yeah. A much tougher, tougher defense on the road. And I think Charles Robinson made a great point that he finally, he's not afraid to scramble because I think sometimes he hangs in the pocket too long. And he still did it a couple times a day where he holds on to the ball too long. But, you know, he had that huge scramble in third and 13 to get that first down. And I think he's just – he needs to realize that if the if the pocket breaks down and there's no one open, he has those yards to get easy chunks. And he was right. doing – he was finally doing that today, and I want to see more of that. And I think yeah, he just yeah. – and he does a great job of spreading the ball around. You know, you're starting to see that he's more comfortable with Jeffrey. He's more comfortable with Smith. Smith had a couple of big plays today, and he, you know, always tried to find him. And when there was a one-on-one matchup with Smith especially, he would give him a chance to make a play. And I think those are things you have to do. You know, of course, Ertz continue, continues to be the, the the security blanket, which is fine. I like that. You know, on big plays on third down, he likes to go to him. He seems to have a great rapport with Mac Hollins. 
which is was a pleasant surprise, like you said, in the second half. And then just overall, I just think he has that poise that is just that it factor. He just has that it factor. And then the last thing of why I heart emoji Carson Wentz <laughs> is he's fiery. He has he has that edge to him. He doesn't like it. You know, he gets upset when he does when he makes a mistake. You can see him. He was like slamming his head, his hand with his helmet when he held on to the ball too long and got sacked. He knew he made a mistake there, and you like seeing that. The one thing that makes me nervous is he does have fumbleitis. Yeah, his his fumbleitis, they flashed his stats. So he had 14 lost fumbles last year, but he, or sorry, 14 fumbles, but he only lost three. And today, I think, this is anecdotal, I think he had about three fumbles, and we recovered all of them? I think he had two. Two? But it just, the, or you, Johnson recovered one. When you talk about regret, you're regressing to the mean, with fumbles, you're going to regress to the mean. You're not going to get lucky and get all of them back. And I just don't want that to happen in a big play and a big point in the season. Yeah, do you, just... do you think that's symptomatic of, so I think this point was brought up on the broadcast, but Wentz, because he's trying to extend the play as long as humanly possible, gets to the point where he's in this kind of reckless area where he just becomes super vulnerable to strip sacks. Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. So it's when we say you, you take the good with the bad, I think, yeah. It usually is in a place of when he makes the incredible play, sometimes that gets him in trouble with a fumbleitis because it's just one of those things where, yeah, once it once it gets crowded in there, it's easy to poke that ball out. Well, I think if you yeah, I think if you think about his developmental trajectory, that's something where um you think about a guy like Rodgers, and let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. And, and They keep comparing him to, like, Roethlisberger and Rodgers. But I feel like it's, it's, it's just a byproduct of experience, some of that. When you have the ability to extend plays the way he does, I think you kind of just need time and experience in the league to slow the game down enough to know, okay, within this play breakdown, I can get a seven-yard kind of just, like, outrush. And within, you know, within this – this play breakdown, I can get a 20 yard, you know, out reception and he'll, I think he'll figure that out and and start to be more measured. And I I think it's just, it's, it's really a symptom of his youth more than anything else. So I'm not nervous about it over the long run within the season. I do think it'll continue to be a problem though. Yeah, no, I think that's one of those things that it makes you nervous. It's the one thing that makes you nervous, but generally very positive. I'm very excited about his potential. I think we have the franchise quarterback. If he keeps developing this way, you know, I think I think we'll be very excited with what he has to offer. I think it was one of those things where you keep saying Roethlisberger. I don't think that's the right comparison. I know some people say that, and then if, but if you hear people that really break down quarterbacks, you know, they say like the Roethlis the Roethlisberger, like he's the same height, but he's not nearly he's not nearly as big as Roethlisberger from like a broad perspective. Mm. Um, but I think I think like a cross between that and Aaron Rodgers is is more accurate, which is, you know, like you said, let's not get ahead of ourselves. This is great, those are, great those, news. Those are two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> so if he's anywhere close to either one of them, I think Eagles fans will be happy for a very long time. Was it one more, one more thing? Sorry, I know so, you're. I know. I know you're the MC. No, you to... you can always pivot. <laughs> you can always pivot. But, but on this point, so talking about just decisive plays in the game, uh, it's so in the third quarter. So fourth quarter, we have the ball uh, to start the fourth quarter, second and eighteen on our own forty-four, and we're able to sustain some success. It's second and seven, and there's a big kind of uh, 
Wentz has a big play extension and he had Wendell Smallwood break wide open for what seemed like an easy touchdown. And part of it, I think, is he missed it at first because, you know, the protection broke down. But it looked like he still missed uh, Smallwood just kind of on a, you know, a coverage breakdown on that play. Instead, he tried to force it to Ertz and it was kind of like in the ground and, and uh, <clears throat> it was really good, just kind of like a broken play. But it looked like Smallwood on kind of like a long touchdown on the play breakdown. That still would have been unbelievable and I'm kind of asking too much. But I think in the future that's – that's a read he doesn't he doesn't miss you know as he develops more. Well, I think yeah, I think when it becomes like an improvised play, it's hard to see the entire field. You know, especially right. if you're kind of not in the comfortable like comfortable zone in the pocket where you're just throwing darts when the play breaks down. And he's made enough good plays out of those improvised plays that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock him for that. If every once in a while he misses somebody who's on the other side of the field. Yeah, and it, 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 to your point, I mean, just wrapping up Wentz. Uh, so we talked about defensive rankings last week with Washington. Washington, I think, was 25th in DVOA in 2016. Kansas City was 14th and was kind of a, a turnover machine. So kind of a big leap up in defensive competition. And I agree. I think he looked better uh, than he did last week. Like I said, I have nothing but positives to take away from this game. So before we get into the Ray Didinger impact play of the game, I just want to <laughs> mention that we are now on iTunes. We're now on Google Play. So besides bumpers. We're live, baby. Yeah, we're live. So it's the Brotherly Love Eagles podcast because apparently there's another Brotherly Love podcast that talks all Philadelphia sports. I'm sure they're great guys. I'm sure, like, I would love to have a beer with them, but we are the Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. So when you search it on iTunes, make sure you look for Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. And, we'll, and I've done the search on iTunes. It's easy to find. And we'd appreciate any positive reviews because that's how we gain an audience is positive yeah. reviews. Yeah, if you have a negative review, you can stay the hell out of it. Okay. I'm talking to you, Travis <laughs> Kelsey. Yeah, douchebag. Second time. Second time you douchebag. Okay, the over under douchebag. We have definitely hit the over. <laughs> but we appreciate all your support and had a great first week and and we're excited about doing this and and we're actually this week probably going to start a midweek one as well won't be as long but we uh, felt like one just after the game wasn't enough so be also be on the lookout for a midweek one yeah so anyway so ray did injure impact play of the game what do you what did you have well this is a i i think i think there's a consensus impact play of the game which is the uh uh, Eagles interception on the screen pass. That was kind of the, the play that broke it. Um, but if I'm being clever about it, I think on the subsequent drive that Kansas City had where we, uh, the shovel pass to Kelsey kind of buried us, there was a, an opportunity, I think, to sack Alex Smith on third and four. And Vinnie Curry had a clear run at uh alex smith so uh, the defense did have an opportunity although they they bail us out time and again to kind of squelch that drive in its tracks um after the interception um so i'm kind of uh pointing to both plays as as the pivotal matt blatt auto splat of the game uh ray didinger pivotal play (laughs) you stole my thunder i had the exact same play (laughs) written on my card the Vinnie Curry one? The Vinnie Curry. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Because, that was brutal. Because if he makes that play, that's a long field goal attempt. It probably 
over 50 yards and that even if they make the field goal, it's only a three-point game. That's a big difference than a seven-point game and then you feel like you have to score a touchdown on the on the ensuing drive. So I totally agree with you. I think, you know, it was one of those plays where Alex Smith made a great, great play. Alex Smith, who I always say can never win you a Super Bowl, proved me wrong today that he he had a great game. You know, I think there was a they were concerned at the end of the first half that he might have been injured, but he came out strong in the second half and had a great second half and and had that back shoulder throw to really put the game away. Well, let's make no mistake between Andy Reid and Alex Smith, these these two are the kings of the regular season. Well, so within the regular season, there's no better reckoning. Well, I also think with Alex Smith that he just doesn't have the arm strength once it gets really cold. Yeah, that is a thing, isn't it? Yeah, physically, I, that's where I always think that you know, as long as it's it's easy to play when it's seventy five out, but once it starts to get into the thirties and forties, you really need that cannon of an arm for some throws, and I just don't think he has it. But I think the difference is this year with Kansas City uh, is that they they have so many weapons. You know, they just they, yeah. At times, it felt like Reed. At times, like Reed doesn't know what to do with them all. Like, because he he always goes back to these like silly misdirection plays where he has like ghost motions running thirty different ways, and it ends up being like an inside handoff. He, he there was like a third and short play where he had I think Hunt and Tyreek Hill both running misdirections, and they gave it to like the third running back, and he almost didn't get a third and two. But so it's interesting to see Reed kind of like I, I I do think that ultimately. Um, well, that obviously the huge uh, inside run that Hunt had in the third quarter um, that we didn't get torched by their weapons, strictly speaking, outside of Kelsey. I mean, ultimately, like their offense did overwhelm the defense in the fourth quarter, but I do feel like we were able to contain their kind of like weaponized running backs and outside receivers, which is good to see. You know, it just validates that our defense is, is excellent at this point in the season. Yeah, he's just a great tight end. It's probably the second best tight end in in the league. Definitely the did, biggest douchebag tight end. Okay, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he did torch us. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, but you're right. Tyreek Hill, only 43 yards passing, six yards rushing. You know, that's that's probably their most dangerous weapon. So you'll take that anytime. And then Kareem Hunt seems like the real deal. 81 yards, two touchdowns, and like you said, this didn't really happen until late second half. Um, first half, they only had 20, I think they only had 22 rushing yards, so I think it's one of those things where the defense, I think, like you said, just started to wear down. I thought for sure I would be the only one that had that third and four play, but I guess I guess we both thought... <laughs> I, I outclassed you. Yeah, I guess we both knew that the, <laughs> everybody thought the interception, but I, you know, I think the missed tackling, that was the microcosm in that one play. Is, that was my biggest... That was my biggest uh, disappointment was just too many missed tackles today. Although, I mean, speaking of missed tackles, and I'm kind of spoiling. Oh, should we? Were you going to go to the uh, disappointment and uh, pleasant surprises section next? Sure, we can. You can pivot. You can tell us what to do. So let's go to <laughs> let's go to disappointments first since they lost. Okay. All right. So uh, on my disappointment sheet, I had Tory Smith. I was a little bit disappointed in, although he was able to come down with one. But I felt like um, Wentz set set him up for success on those two kind of. They weren't even fifty fifty balls. There was one touchdown pass. Should would be touchdown pass. I think in the first quarter that he straight up drops that that just hits him in the hands and another 
not even 50-50 ball, but kind of like a well-placed ball. I mean, it's good to see Torrey Smith get himself into position to make those plays and Wentz deliver the ball. Um, But we kind of just – there are times where I feel like we need Smith to start executing a little more in this game from a personnel perspective. Oh, see, I, I, you know, should he make some of those catches? Maybe, but those are 50, 50 balls. Those that's going to happen. I was, well, the first one wasn't a 50, 50 ball. Okay. That was, that was just an outside shoulder throw that he dropped. Okay. I, I wouldn't go as far as disappointment as far as I'm concerned. Cause I think he had some nice plays and he was, he was open pretty consistently. And so I, I've been nothing but, pleasantly surprised with both both players especially Jeffrey this week definitely seemed to establish himself as as the number one receiver and, and really started to pick up his game throughout and, and kept getting stronger throughout the game so that was that was really good to see so I wouldn't I wouldn't put Smith down as as a disappointment my biggest disappointment of the game was this the injuries in the secondary I think that's oh, something yeah. that's you know we seem to be doing well with with even with the injuries but I think at some point that's going to come back to hurt us you know we play the Giants next week I don't know if uh Odell Beckham Jr is playing by then I think he's playing this week so you know we're going to need that uh, you know strong cornerback play so to see McLeod go out and Watkins go out just our 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 secondary is really thin that's making me nervous yeah on the I had it written down I, I didn't mention it on my kind of like decisive plays chart, but obviously on, on the big breaking run by Kareem hunt in the third quarter, uh, obviously their offensive line completely sealed up that hole, but uh, Corey Graham, right? Corey Graham, who's McLeod's replacement. Another Graham. And Another, we had, we had we a user. Brandon Graham and Corey Graham were taking over the team and then Corey <laughs> Graham completely disappoints me but yeah he he kind of loses contain on kareem hunt i mean he, he was kind of isoed on kareem hunt so you know you can forgive him for missing the tackle but i wonder if mcleod he's like a little more physical maybe makes that player slows him down enough for for the pursuit to catch up but i think you're right you really saw that was a play that kind of showcased uh, in run defense the thinness in the secondary for those of you who don't know, our last name is Graham. That's why we give a lot of love to anybody named Graham. And we had a we had a we had a user give us feedback that he was disappointed that we didn't give Brandon Graham love last week. So, but Brandon Graham has been great the first two games, so he's been a positive. And we'll get to the pauses in a little in a little bit. I had tackling down as as I said earlier. I think that was there was too many missed tackles. Special special teams included. You had talked about this was the special team Super Bowl. I think I think Kansas it is City a special team Super Bowl. I That's think right. Kansas City clearly won the special team Super Bowl. The big uh, Sproles fumble was a big play. Um, of course, you had on the the kick return putting putting Kansas City in good field position. And then the the new kicker. I was pleasantly surprised that so he was disappointing when he missed that chippy. To go into the halftime six six after, but I but it was after Zach Ertz miracle catch, so I'm not gonna yeah. give him too much guff, and I don't think it really changed the outcome of the game in the end. Uh, you know what? I, you know what? You know what trope I love in, in all broadcasting. This is what they all say when there's like a tip ball and an, and a receiver comes down with it after it's tipped. They'll be like, "Look at the concentration on this play," and I always think to myself, "He's a receiver. What else is he concentrating <laughs> on?" But the the football. It's right there in front of him. It's right there. <laughs> What's he just going to ignore it? <laughs> but my biggest disappointment, Eagles fans. I love being an Eagles fan. I'm a huge fan of the Eagles, even though they usually are disappointing. I love the passion for Eagles fans. 
But did you notice that every shot they did to the crowd, Eagles fans were just standing up with their hands crossed, looking mad. We were in the game the entire time. We have a franchise quarterback. We have a great defense. What are you so mad about? Well, yeah, I I do think there's uh there's you know kind of like a uh, pathological thing going on with the Eagles fans where if we're not winning twenty seven to three, we're upset. It was amazing. Like I always, you know, we grew up in Philadelphia. We don't live in the area anymore. Our family still does. And it's funny to get the perspective of looking at your fan base when you're not in the DNA, in the, you know, the heat of it day in and day out. And it's just funny to see row game, Kansas City, no one, no one picks us to win. Right. It's, it's a tie game in the fourth quarter and all throughout the game. And this is when like Carson Wentz just made a great throw. Carson Wentz just did something amazing. Or defense makes a big stop. They go to the crowd. All the Kansas City fans are like happy, smiling. <laughs> and you see all the Eagles fans like stern looks, arms crossed, not happy. So Eagles fans, enjoy it. It looks like we have a franchise QB. We do. We do. Um, I, I can't dispute what you're saying. I can't. I mean, maybe they're just, maybe they're irritated because they live in Kansas City. You know, that, that could be it. I don't know. So to give you a little tease, we're probably going to uh, bring on our mom for some of the midweek uh, performances or midweek uh, te- uh, podcast. And just so you know, our mom is probably the most negative Eagles fan we know. <laughs> that would be her. You're just describing our mother in the stands. Yeah, so That's it'll be good doing. to get perspective from someone who still lives in the area, is always mad at the Eagles. And so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what she thinks. As far as as far as what is the the feel of of, of an energy in town after after the loss? By the way, uh, uh, our good friend Zach texted me just now. Hot hot breaking news! It's no longer the Matt Blatt auto splat of the game. It, according to him, it's the hers crunch of the game. <laughs> okay, good to know. Keep the hers crunch of the game. Keep, keep the feedback keep, coming. Yes, especially because we you know. Besides Ray Diddy, we miss Merrill. It's it's just not the same to not have a Merrill Reese, you know, game. It's just yeah, he's the on, best. On, on that score, we you did mention it's the special special team Super Bowl. We mean by that is Philadelphia number one special teams, number one ranked special teams unit last year. Kansas City number two, and I do believe the Hers crunch of the game goes to uh, whoever sandwiched uh, Darren Sproles on his forced fumble at the end of the first half. Just how athletic Kansas City is. I mean, Justin Houston, that guy is the man. He mm-hmm. was everywhere. You know, because they always say he's, you know, a sack specialist, but he's great against the run. He was breaking up that screen pass. You know, he was just all over the field. It was so impressive. Oh, I had an – okay, I had a, sorry. My notes are really sloppy today. I got to work on my organization. But my other disappointment besides Torrey Smith was uh, Isaac Samulo. Samuelo, is that how we're saying it? Sure. Samuelo. Samuelo. He he got blown up more than a few times on kind of like interior swim moves. And I don't know if you remember, I think this play was in the first half, but there was a play where the Kansas City defensive line only rushed three. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, Chris Jones had a monster game. He had three yeah, Chris, sacks. Chris Jones slipped in between uh, Isaac Samuelo and Jason Kelsey. And Jason Kelsey was not tied up by another – uh, interior alignment because they were only rushing three. So um, that was disappointing to see. And, and, and in the fourth quarter, uh, there were a few times where Samulo, I think, got kind of beat up on just like inside swim moves. 
So that was my other disappointment from a personnel perspective. Yeah, but that's a tough call because I think the line played great. Oh, overall, I, I think uh, I think Wentz had plenty of time to throw. But it did seem like – so part of it, I think, tactically too was, you know, in the third quarter we were still able to keep Kansas City honest with a run attack because, right, it was – it was basically a tie game. Uh, but in the fourth quarter, after we go down seven, Peterson is kind of inexplicably still calling almost like inside draw play action. And maybe maybe it's Wentz on the execution side, where they're still pretending to feed the ball to Sproles, and the defensive line was obviously like not fooled at all by that, because why would we be running the ball down seven in the late in the fourth quarter? Um, so that was an area where you know, once the kind of run threat went away, their their fourth quarter pass rush started to overwhelm us. But you know, yeah, that's think, that's more of a kind of like a tactical shortfall than anything. Yeah, I think Charles Robinson even made a point to say, you know, no, they're not respecting the play action pass at all. They're going straight for the quarterback. And then speaking of Kansas City and how athletic they are, I love Charles Robinson point when he said, "Can everybody on Kansas City dunk the fastball?" <laughs> that play by Daniel Sorensen, where he just launched over Sproles was amazing and then Kelsey yeah, launched over uh Rasul Douglas I mean those guys are just they have a bunch of athletes on that squad it's, it's not like a, it's almost like they practice it it's like all right guys we're gonna take the last 15 minutes to do flying squirrelies <laughs> which is so funny since they have the most unathletic coach in the entire NFL uh Reed, I, I worry for him you know they're still I think uh I still um you know you know for all for all the you know the baggage of the Reed years, you know I still have a place of affection in my heart for Reed. And at this point, I'm just you know I, I want him I want him to start eating more vegetables. <laughs> as much just, as I can't stand the coach that was Andy Reed, I respect the hell out of Andy Reed just as, as much as I can't stand him. It's it's the yeah, love hate that right. we all have because I'm sorry, all the Buddy Ryan lovers, the best coach in Eagles history. Is did he have one from uh, you know when they won the two NFL championships? But from modern day uh, Eagles history, Andy Reid was by has, has been by far the best coach we've ever had. Oh yeah, and he I mean he is on balance a very good NFL coach. Yeah, on balance exactly. All right, so let's go to the uh, positive, which I said I've, I I have mostly positives. Who were your big? Positives, or we should say, pleasant surprises. My pleasant surprises. Well, I, I thought Razul Douglas was like respectable um, when he was called upon. Uh, he had one. He obviously had the. There's one series in the late third quarter where Kansas City went three and out, and they had kind of dialed up this uh, inside uh, slant pass that he broke up. That was that was a nice play, and he was also. Um, in action and run defense and made a few nice plays there. And he was also just taunting like a motherfucker, which is cool. Uh, and then <laughs> Matt Collins uh, showing that he does kind of look like, you know, he could be a pretty solid kind of like number two physical threat on the outside. So uh, those are my two pleasant surprises, you know, kind of young rookies who showed up and played pretty well. I had that down as just one, as is the play of the rookies. I thought it was, like you said, it was impressive, especially Rasul Douglas, who, you know, Hollins was like a, a luxury where Douglas, you know, with, he had to be called to action because their secondary is just so beat up. And like you said, he seemed pretty confident out there and he made a couple of really nice plays. You know, they had that one crossing pattern where, uh, you know, 
Robinson at first thought that they that was a drop by the Kansas City player, and it turned out that Russell Douglas just made a great play to tip the ball. Right. My other big, uh, my other big, I can't really call it a pleasant surprise because it's supposed to be one of the strengths of of our team, but the front seven was just phenomenal today. I mean, they were everywhere, and you know, Hicks again. The guy is just is just a stud. I mean, of course, Brandon Graham, of course, Fletcher Cox, of course, all these players on the D line, which we know about, but not. Not Vinnie Curry. Vinnie Curry still had. I'm, I'm some kidding. Play. Yeah, I'm kidding. yeah. <laughs> Besides the one third and four play. Yeah, but I, I just, I'm just thoroughly impressed. And Kendricks had a great game today. You know, and that's not even our one of our starting linebackers. So I just think it's one of those things where you know they continue to impress, and I think it's you know that's going to be the strength of our team is is on the defensive side. We seem to have a legit defense. Yeah, and that's what I thought was you know kind of most surprising about today we expect our front seven to perform really well but i didn't think you know short of short of the run play where the entire you know kareem hunt run touchdown where the entire defense just kind of got torched you know it it felt like our again our secondary by committee didn't get blown up the way you might expect them to with all the injuries they they went through so but i i think that's just a testament to how dominant our front seven is and i the one player we haven't talked about yet is I think that just shows you how important Malcolm Jenkins is. I think that would be the one injury that would really hurt the secondary. It seems to be he just does so much and he's such a leader out there. I think as long as he can stay healthy, you know, even if they're, you know, having reserves and backups, he just seems to be such a, a force both, you know, on the field and then as a leader. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in the end, Eagles lose – Tie game in the middle of fourth quarter. Yep, there was a big turner. Yeah, that third and four play, you would love to have all those plays back. But I think in the end, you know, I'm really excited about this team. I think they're showing a lot more potential than last year because even that 3-0 start, we both thought the defense was suspect, especially in the secondary. The secondary seems to be a lot more buttoned up this year. You know, the wide receiving core last year, we thought that, you know, that was going to be something where eventually that would come back to haunt them, and it did. The Lane Johnson suspension totally came back to hurt them, which it did. All these things are different this year because, you know, Lane Johnson, assuming he can stay off performance-enhancing drugs, um, you know, <laughs> the weapons are just so much more impactful in the wide receiving core and Urch has stepped it up to a, a, a new level. And then, the, and then the defense, just like you said, they just make plays. They're aggressive. Schwartz, you can tell, is very excited about this, about his squad. And I think those are all things that, as an Eagles fan, you have to be excited about. So zooming out on the outcome of this game, Washington probably tending towards more mediocre than they were last year. But Kansas City looking more dynamic even than they were last year. So I think this is... You know, thinking about the level of competition today on the road in Arrowhead, I think second to, you know, anecdotally, everyone always says second to Seattle, probably one of the more decisive home field advantages of the NFL, a pretty respectable performance, um, even though it kind of unwound on us in the fourth quarter. I was I was pleased um, with with the preparation. I felt like Schwartz came came to call with like a good game plan that again, kind of flexibly anticipated some of the trickery that, that Reed likes to pull overall. And, you know, my perennial bugabear, Doug Peterson, I do think um, you made this point earlier, but I do think he kind of like admirably uh, 
adjusted the offensive game plan in the second half to the point where we were effective. I still kind of fault him for leaning <laughs> on the screen game too much. And, and when he finds it's almost like, like you said, a reading, uh, like hole in the philosophy. It's like, once we find something that's really successful, we move away from it and back to our kind of like pattern nonsense. But, um, I do feel like Pearson showed some flashes of, of having an ability to adjust the offensive game plan, uh, in the second half. But I also think there was like some good preparation work kind of put into those. They almost felt like kind of rehearsed back shoulder throws to Jeffrey that, that Wentz and Jeffrey have been working on. So some more tools to put into the toolbox for the rest of the season. By the way, what's a bug a bear? You mean a bugaboo? I don't know. <laughs> a, whatever creature bugs you. Oh, it says an object of fear or alarm, <laughs> a yeah. bug bear. So there is a bug Did bear. Did I add an uh? I yeah. Sh- it's just so it's, bug bear. Yeah. So it's a bugaboo or a bug bear. My and other I, bug, there my was other so, bug wait, bear. Let me, let me, let me okay, get some go. other points out you since go. you are the Doug Peterson ba- basher and I have to be the <laughs> Doug Peterson defender. There was nothing wrong with the game plan. There was nothing wrong where Doug Peterson causes anything. We lost that game fair and square. I think Doug Peterson, like I said, made great halftime adjustments. He seemed to – there was no atrocious – What that that is the biggest pleasant surprise of the game is kudos to you, Doug Peterson. Kudos to you, Andy Reid. The worst time management coaches <laughs> that I know of. No egregious time management issue. Yeah, there, the, the one I saw – that was like not egregious, but not ideal is um, after Alex Smith throws the uh, back shoulder, the back shoulder kind of like fly route to like seal it for Kansas city. Uh, they, they, they are, un- they're so busy celebrating. They're unable to get a playoff on first down and he has to call timeout with like four thirty to go in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But, you know, that, that was really the only one. Yeah. But I mean, that was impressive. Well done. Andy Reid. Congratulations. <laughs> it's always it's always nice to see someone learn from their mistakes. So but I don't think there'll still be times where he does it throughout the year, but that was, you know, there was no big time management miscues. And the other thing I was gonna say, I have some dear, dear friends from Seattle and some dear, dear friends from Kansas City. And I think the Kansas City fan friends of mine would be very upset that you would say that they're second to Seattle and loud loud stadium noise i think yeah they're unofficial rankings unofficial (laughs) depends on who's measuring and i listen i think seattle is just the stadium design they're just you know oh yeah that's always a big topic of debate with my seattle friends is they they claim they're so loud and i always say hey if the eagles had a stadium like that we'd be just as loud do think by the way, I owe my friend from Kansas City drinks because we lost and didn't. Uh, you said the line was four and a half. I think the line ended up being five and a half. But anyway, those oh, are just okay. uh, just some fun things. But like I said, Eagles fans, come on, be more positive. We have a franchise quarterback and a good defense. So with that, as we always end every podcast, what's your ridiculously early season record prediction based off of the one and one record now? I'm I'm sticking with nine and seven. I think I think what the Eagles have to – these are kind of the two forces I'm going to be balancing against throughout throughout the year, which is um, how meteoric does Carson Wentz improve? How meteorically does he improve? And I'm, I'm bullish on that. But then how predictable does our offensive scheme become? And um, I'm not particularly pessimistic or optimistic on this. 
uh, I just think it kind of that comes down to Peterson, and as you know, uh, I'm not optimistic about him. So, uh, but I think our our defense will be a top five DVOA defense all year because of our front seven. By the way, why do you hate Doug Pearson so much? Like, I wasn't happy as him as the Eagles <laughs> head coach, right? But I would love to hear this because <laughs> are you really going to die on the Mike Lombardi side of things? No, listen, I don't think it's – it's, it's, it's not like you have to be in favor of Lombardi or not. I just uh, – <clears throat> I'm going on the body of evidence that I have. All right. Uh, and uh, I think you're too hard on Mr. Weird Mr. Pearson. Twi- 20th in offense last year. So if we uh, – that's what I'm saying. If we're 20th on offense again this year, then – I'll put that on Peterson because I think we have the personnel one in Wentz improving year over year and two this year, just having an offensive suite of weapons. that's better. So I think, you know, if we can get to uh, 15th or 10th overall on offense, then we start to become, to become a more dangerous playoff prospect, but I'm sticking to nine and seven. Okay. Uh, your hatred of Doug Peterson <laughs> continues. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going back up to ten and six. I'm. You know. I feel like this is a playoff caliber team. I'm. I. I take nothing. Like I said, I've been saying throughout the podcast. Franchise QB check. Good defense check. That's all I need. Done and done. Simple analysis. If I have a franchise QB and I have a good defense, I'm making the playoffs. Yeah. No. I. I think that's generally speaking, right? I just think it's like you have a second year franchise QB. So. It just depends on how fast his leap is, but I, I think we both agree that he's destined for start. And I heart Carson Wentz. I'll tell you who this guy is very limited for. <laughs> Doug is, Peterson. No, is Fox's brand new <laughs> NFL referee consultant, Dean Blandino. <laughs> very limited sky for that guy. Well, at least they don't have the duo of last week that was just really awkward. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I'll, I'll listen. I'll give Blandino a shot. I'm giving Peterson a shot. And with that, we'll see you next week or maybe even sooner because we're going to try to do one in the middle of the week this week. And you might have a, have a uh, special guest that is our mom, the most negative Eagles fan that we know. <laughs>